My God and Father, we thank you and bless you and worship you and praise you for who you are. You are a faithful God. You are a good Father. But you are also a just God. And Father, we can testify because you have proven yourself over and over and over in our lives. We thank you for being a God that keeps his promises. And you ask us to trust you because of your proven track record. I pray, dear Father, that as we share a word today that it will be evident that you will never fail us. You are very intentional about what you do in our lives, for you have a purpose far greater than we can see even in the now. Ask their Father that your spirit will be with me and that you will speak through me. And I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I greet you in the precious and always powerful name of Jesus Christ. I always find it a, and I count it an honor and a privilege whenever I can stand before the people of God to share a word from God and to encourage you, especially as we are in these last days. Um, I don't know how many of you enjoyed your fourth with some some barbecues, some good old fashioned. You know, family fellowship, um, probably some music, and a little bit of dancing maybe, some fireworks, yes? Amen? Well, okay, I guess we don't celebrate like that, huh? Just me. All right, there we go. Okay. Anyways, um, I just thank God that we had, you know, got to see another year, another, you know, Independence Day. A lot of... A lot has happened in the last couple of days or weeks, especially losing some dear brothers and sisters. And, and until we get over the loss of our loved ones, it is very hard sometimes to, when these days of celebration come around, that we enjoy them as we used to before when they are around. But I, I want to encourage you that in spite of those losses, we ought to still celebrate. We ought to still have those times where we share and we remember and we recall what the life you know, that was lived was like. Because we owe it not only to them, but to ourselves to continue to live. Right? Jesus said that he came to give life and to give life more abundantly. And until he comes again and takes away 
you know, the curse of death and, and the tears and the sorrows and the pains. We ought to live. Because the purpose for living still lives. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, I'm not going to spare you much longer. I'm we're just going to go right into our sermon out of Luke, the fifth chapter, looking at verse 1 to verse 5. Um, but just quickly, um, I was thinking earlier, and, and this occurred to me, uh, one of the things, or several things that I observe about you know, July 4th and Independence Day and this whole idea of independence, uh, you know, something interesting came to mind. When you think of independence, how it was bought with blood. I mean, think about it. The sacrifices that were made for our nations to secure independence came at the price of blood. And not only that, the second observation is that this idea of independence has been maintained at the price of blood, even in this current generation. Which brings me to the idea that our salvation, what brought us our freedom, the curse from the curse of sin, came at the price of blood. And is maintained because of blood. Just thought that, you know, and I give God praise because it makes me look at July 4th and independence totally different. Whether it's celebrated with fireworks or not, I'm going to still rejoice in the fact that I am free. I'm no longer a slave. If I am a slave, I'm a slave to the one that bought my freedom. And I'm okay with that. Because the price that was paid was costly. And I live my life sharing that good news because there are others out there who are still caught up in sin and a slave to it. And they need to know that freedom that I have enjoyed, that they too can enjoy. Luke chapter 5. It recalls a, a story, probably not a familiar one, but a story nonetheless in the early stages of Christ's ministry. In my study, I was looking at um, the you know, the harmony of the gospel, as they would say, and, and notice that when he was baptized, when he was tempted, when he preached his first words, they seem all found in the gospels. Now, these gospel writers give their own accounts, 
with some details here and some details missing, but they all gave their accounts of these same um, events. One thing that has that remained consistent throughout these stories was Christ's fame that went out because of the many miracles that he did. Another observation that I that I found is that many of the the miracles that were done, some uh, quite a few were done on the Sabbath. So not only are we reminded of, you know, God's work in creation, but we also are reminded of God's work in restoration. And it was in that observation that we've come to Luke, the fifth chapter, because the other Gospels talked about the calling of the disciples. But it's only Luke that recalls this particular event in, in the calling of the disciples. Now, I also observed one thing that Christ did not just preach on the Sabbath. The preaching was done all throughout the, the week. Amen? It just so happened that the, 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 the gospel writers recalls some of the greater miracles on the Sabbath. But that does not diminish the other miracles that were done during the week. What does that tell me? It tells me that I need to be preaching and telling people about the good news every day. And that you should be doing the same. It is not only when we meet with each other one time or two times that we share of, you know, this good news and what Christ has done. No, this is an everyday 24-hour, 24-7 experience that we have with Christ and others need to know about it. So here we go we come to Luke chapter 5 and and the backstory is as we mentioned Christ has been baptized. The Bible says that the spirit takes him and leads him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. You mean to tell me that the the that God leads us into situations that could be harmful to us? Hmm. Upon careful observation, notice that the Bible said it led him there to be tempted of the devil. But notice when he is led. It is not before his baptism. It is not before he is endowed with the Holy Spirit. It is afterwards. In other words, it tells me that even if I'm led into a situation that could be harmful to me 
or have adverse effects on me, God always equips me before the situation. He does not leave me vulnerable. He provides the protection and the means in order for me to go through the situation. Will I come out unscathed? Will I come out unharmed? Maybe not. But just as the Bible says, I am with you, it says. Whether it's through the water, through the fire, I am with you. And so after the, the temptation, we saw that Christ once again is, is refueled. The Holy the Spirit comes, and, or he says the angels come and ministers to him. And he now goes on and he is preaching the gospel. His message, repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent, repent, repent seems to be the word of the day. Repent, repent. Change your ways. Turn around. Come back to God. It seems to be the message. One, one gospel writer said he enters into the synagogue and he's preaching the same message. In fact, it says he is given the book and he opens it to Isaiah the prophet. He reads the account there and he says, today this is fulfilled in your ears. Sits down Let's the people re, uh, reflect for a moment and they realize, whoa, we're in the middle of a fulfillment of prophecy here. You know, but he comes back and further expounds on that prophecy. And he's speaking to them. He's letting them know that today, today, something significant about today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, but today, if we will hear his voice, do not harden our hearts. Amen? Today. And so the Bible recalls that the people are amazed and, and wonders in amazement. Wow, he speaks one with authority, but not as the other scribes does. You know, it's not about hear, how, hearing how good he sounds. No, there is power behind his words because these words are spirit and life, and he's speaking that to them. And so the people pressed upon him, and they want to hear more, and, and he's preaching. And, and later on, you know, one um, account recalls that he heals a man while, you know, he's preaching. And the people are amazed, like, wow, he can heal the sick. So they bring their sick ones to him. After the Sabbath, he does, they does that. So... Once he has done all this work of, of you know, healing the people and, and restoring them to health and, and, and good, you know, fiber, you know, as far as their physical bodies, their mental capacities, they want more. And this is where Luke brings in this particular account because he has also been called the disciples at one time. But we find something interesting here that he will encounter the disciples once again, but it's only a few. Not all the others that were called, but just these guys. And so we pick it up in verse 1. On one occasion, 
While the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said unto Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. Just going to share a few observations that I got from this particular scripture. And from those observations, what also I got um, in relation to those. The first one that of the observation is that Jesus will come into your situation. My first observation, Jesus will come into your situation. He will come to you where you are. Which, you know, um, negates the idea that we need to kind of fix ourselves first before we come to Christ. Now, he comes to you. He initiates everything. He will come and meet you where you are and take you where he wants you to be. So Jesus comes into your situation. So verse 1 says, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he, he was standing by the lake of, and he saw two boats. Came into the uh, situation of the fishermen. He had a purpose, yes? And he came out and met them where they were. My second observation is that Jesus is very intentional when it comes to you and me. He's very intentional when he comes to you and me. Your encounter with Christ is not an accident, it's not a coincidence. He is very purposeful when it comes to us. See, it's not a coincidence that he knew Simon. It is not a coincidence that he went into Simon's boat. Right? Because we found in an earlier account that when he entered the house of a particular parent, it was Simon's mother-in-law. So he knew Simon. Right? But... But in my study of how is it that he knows Simon like this is because Simon was one of the first one that he was called. But here Simon is fishing. Shouldn't he be with Christ, going about, entering into other cities? He may have. But it's funny how that with this account, it seemed that there was no call made. No, a call was made. But this is another day in the life of these apostles. So they kind of just went back to what they were familiar with. They're not familiar with preaching the gospel, with this idea of repentance. I'm familiar with fishing. How do I know? Well, Peter said later on in the scripture, I believe it's verse 5. Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. So, hence my observation. They went back to what they were used to doing. And sometimes we get like that. 
I mean, I do. I don't know about you all. <laughs> Put myself out there. Sometimes I do that. I hear the call, share the good news, you know, but I go back to what I'm familiar with. You know, I, 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 we have a life, yes. I work nine to five. You know, I'm a, I'm a young man. I'm single. I have friends. I, I hang out. I do stuff, you know. Nothing for you all to worry about, okay? <laughs> don't worry about it, <laughs> you know. Um, but I go back to those things that I'm familiar with. And at times, neglect to share the good news about Christ. Because I get caught up in the world that I know. That's all the disciples were doing. Just going back to what they know to do. Being fishermen. But they said they worked all night and took nothing. Their usual work all of a sudden seemed fruitless compared to the work that was ahead of them. We'll share that a little later. So that second observation, Jesus is very intentional about you and me. Let's read on further. Verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, okay, he, had already, he was speaking to the crowd now, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. My third observation. Even though Jesus gives a word, it is up to you and me to obey. Even though he gives a word, it is up to you and me to obey. To see the miracles, to see the power of God work in your life, we have to obey the word of God. The scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this is not just any type of hearing, but it's the hearing that moves us to action. Because Peter had seen and heard of Jesus, but this time he's put in a position where he has to act on what he hears. And that's when the true miracle in our lives happens. That's when the true transformation happens, when we act upon the word of God. The Bible tells us that the word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It's life. My next observation, and this one might, you know, catch a little of you by surprise, but you kind of have to get out of your own way. Just get out of your own way. What do I mean by that? Over the time that we have grown up, we have, a, we have gained certain knowledge, skills, understanding about life. You know, we have attained a certain level of proficiency in our duties. And sometimes those are the things we rely on to navigate to this world. And we do the same when we come into a our Christian experience. We use those same knowledge, those same proficiencies in order for us to understand 
this world that we have come to know by the life we now live as Christians. But those very things can be our hindrances to advancing in the kingdom of God. Let me bring you back to the story. These guys are skilled fishermen. They know their stuff. They could probably put through a 10-hour course of, how, of what it means to fish. But here they are on one particular time. They have gone out. They've done everything they could do, toil all night, and caught nothing. And here it is. This man named Jesus is coming. He meets one of them. He tells them, hey, you know, okay, I, I, I got you. You didn't catch anything. I know you're very good at what you do. But why not try the other side? I mean, can you imagine the kind of thought that probably is running through Peter's mind? I mean, I know fish. That's why I went out at night. <laughs> you know, I know when they're going to be out there. <laughs> you know, and so Christ challenges Peter's knowledge and proficiency about what he does. But give Peter credit. The Bible didn't say this, but he could have said, what do you know about fish? <laughs> he could have said that, and maybe he did, because Peter is one to kind of just say stuff without thinking. But we don't get, we don't get that knowledge. All we know is, is what he said next. He said, all right. But at your word, simply because you said it, I will do it. In other words, we need to adopt that same idea. Because Christ said it, we need to do it. Forget about the skills, the proficiencies that you have gained in order to navigate through this life. No, Christ has given us directives on how to live. Let's take him at his word and follow his word. And we'll have the success in fact, we'll have more success. Because this world, and we, we, we say it a lot, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We say that, but we don't live like that. Well, okay, sorry, sorry. I say that, but I don't live like that. How about that, Amen. So, so I need to start living the way that I preach and speak. In other words, I need to get out of my own way. My next observation. The power of the word, its impact on my life will attract others. The power of the word, its impact on my life will attract others. Where did I get that from? Okay. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats, so they began to sink. And, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down, his insane, down 
at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish. You cannot deny the transformation that happens when the word of God takes its place in your life. Others cannot miss it. They may be blind and oblivious to it, but they can't miss it. Because there is something different about you this time. So the impact of the word and what it does to your life will attract others. That's why the Bible says, by your fruit. Right? By the fruit. Because it's evident you have spent time with him. He has transformed your life. Your language is different. Your mannerism is different. You don't repel people like you used to. No, they want to know, who, who, who are you? What's going on? You know, what's, what's going on up there? Amen? That's the power of the word. My next observation. The revelation of who God is or who Jesus is in this story, always brings about a revelation of who we are and why we need him. The revelation of who God is and who we are lets us know why we need him. Peter says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Why is all of a sudden he a sinful man? Why all of a sudden he's a sinful man? Just doing his regular duties, just fishing, right? We have no, we have no recollection. Nothing in the previous chapters tell us of anything that Peter did that we would consider sinful. But he recognizes that he's in the presence of holiness, and that no matter how many amount of goodness that is in me, it is insufficient. It still makes me feel I'm sinful. No matter how many people have told me, oh, you're a good person. No, I am still sinful in the eyes of the one who is holy. And so when I have that encounter with Christ, and I see him for who he is, I recognize that I do need him. And so when we preach the gospel, it, 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 it takes me back to, to our study um, this morning when we were talking about, you know, the Acts of the Apostle, especially Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when, it, when Jesus says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is or the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses of me. We all know about, you know, Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea. But the important word there is witness. It is by the experience and the encounter that you can be a true witness. If you are just repeating what somebody else says, you are not a, just, you are not a true witness. 
A true witness has, ex- has that first-hand account, that has that experience, so they can say what they have seen and heard with their own eyes and ears, which makes your story a whole lot more compelling to the person you speak to. Yes? We all have such a story. We, we all do. While some may seem more dramatic than others, some who have gone through a whole lot of stuff in life, you know, from, from childhood on, your story may not be their story, but you have a story nonetheless. Because you experienced Christ and was changed. That's good enough. Because the whole message, and Christ told, him, told the disciples, the whole message this, repentance and remission of sins must be preached through Christ. That's your story. That's the core of your message and our mission is Christ. My seventh observation, last observation, an encounter with Jesus must lead to a higher calling on your life. That encounter with Christ must lead to a higher calling. It is not enough that we say we know him. What's greater is that we follow him. Notice, and here, here's what I got out of this one. Um, verse, verse 10. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. I'm going to wrap this up very quickly. Notice, he says, I will make you fishers of men. They're fishermen. They're skilled. They know their thing about fish. But they don't know about catching men. I know there's a pun on that. Don't worry about it, ladies, guys. You know, (laughs) No, it is all about the purpose here. So, yes, we have to get out of our own way, but here's the wonderful thing about what Christ does. He takes all of those skills, all of that knowledge, all of those proficiencies, and everything that you have gained to make you who you are, and now uses it with a greater purpose in mind. So your job as a secretary has a greater purpose than just serving your particular job. As a mechanic, far greater. As an architect, far greater. You have a far greater purpose now that there is that calling on your life. He does not dismiss the skill. Notice he does not dismiss them from being fishermen. But now they have a greater purpose. It is about the kingdom now. Amen? So, just to wrap this up, here's what I also got from this. There are three things we need to do. We need to, first, we need to invite Jesus in. Notice, I said he comes into your situation. He meets you where you are. Secondly, we need to confess our sins and acknowledge our need of him. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. But third, we now need to abide. He said, you know, 
No, come and follow. It's in by following Christ, we can abide in Christ. Okay? Now, if we do these three things, God will do these three things. He forgives and he cleanses is the first thing. Number two, he comes and he makes our abode with us. In other words, we have that fellowship with him. And number three, he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us, in fact, that he is more willing to give of the Holy Spirit than we are willing to ask. So my encouragement to you is this. Whenever you recognize that Christ has called you, in other words, when it is evident he has called you, Accept and follow and obey and watch your world change. I I know that sounds like I'm speaking to someone that may have never known Christ, but there are probably periods of time in our life when we feel like we have not met him. Life does a number on us and we feel we have not met Christ. But I challenge you, you know, dismiss those feelings because our feelings are like a roller coaster. They go up and down and they move us through different emotions. But the, the word of God still remains true regardless of how we feel. Amen? So whenever you have your devotion and your time of study, thirst once again for the presence of God. Thirst once again for the word of God. And thirst once again to follow him. And if we do these three things, as I mentioned, God indeed will do those three things that I also mentioned. May God bless us and, and, and may he add a, a, a special blessing upon your life. But before I, I pray, if there is anyone here after hearing these words, wants to make their calling and election sure, I'm giving you the opportunity. I'll say a very special prayer for you. You can raise your hand. You don't necessarily have to come up. But I can meet with you and we can discuss, you know, this, this new life. Secondly, if you have not known Christ and you want to know him, you can also raise your hand. I see a very special prayer for you as well. Once again, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. He is knocking at that door. Let him in. Okay. Amen. Well, if there is no one, let us pray. Our God and our Father, we want to thank you so much for who you are and what you do in our lives and how it is evident, Father, that you have initiated this whole idea of transforming us, conforming us into the image of your Son. And we have seen it time and time again, Father. You are not so much concerned about where we are, but you are more concerned about where you can take us. And so, Father, we we pray that you'll help us to surrender to your will and to your way so that we can live the life that you have called us to live and reflect you as we ought to. We thank you, and this is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.